What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Danny Lopriori, and welcome to Off the Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the Basement Yard, Vine, the Lopriori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life, just like many of you. Here on Off the Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now, let's talk Off the Cuff. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I'm your host, Daniel Priori. I'm joined by my very successful, sexy... Winner of the 2020 Bachelorette, but also he's an addiction specialist and founder of Release Recovery, his own rehab center. Zach Clark. Zach, how are you, sir? Good today, Danny. I'm, I'm pumped to be talking to you. And, and obviously, you're you're covering an important topic that's near and dear to my heart. So I'm, I'm ready to rip it up with you. That's awesome, man. Listen, so, you know, my uh, wonderful producer, Sam, sent me a whole bunch of stuff about your story. I have to say, this is one of the craziest rides I've ever seen. There's some stuff here that we could definitely find a common ground on for sure. But reading this thing, I was like, you know, it's so inspiring to see these stories, especially on the show and to see your journey from where it started, which we'll get into where it's at now is uh, miraculous. So I wanted to congratulate you on the work that you've done and your self-improvement because it's very, very inspiring getting a chance to read about all of these things that you've done. You're a fucking warrior, dude. I agree with that. Yeah, man. I got a lot of grit and <laughs> you got to, if you can't pat yourself on the back for like going through a ton of shit, like a lot of times it's like, uh, you have to be a fan of yourself. You really have to. No, hundred percent. I just, I, I know today the truth about my existence, which is that like, whatever I've been through is my most important and, and greatest asset. And it gives me, you know, I believe an advantage against, you know, whatever it is, the world or, 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 you know, whoever we're talking about. So it's just good to be here. I appreciate it, man. And, uh, listen, time is of the essence. I know you're a busy dude, so let's hop right into it. Cool. Do you remember the first time you ever had a drink? Of course. <laughs> I tell my story all the time. Yeah. So you better, yeah, you better, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. So, you know, it's funny, like I was whatever, 13 or 14 or 12 and 13, but the year before, so whatever my family, we celebrate Christmas. So we go to this Christmas Eve party every year and, you know, it's like the older dudes are out at the shed having a couple pops and I get invited. And the first year I'll never forget. They like, they gave me a beer and I broke down. I was like, no, my God, I can't drink. Like drinking kills you. And like, I ran back to the party, cried all night and, and whatever, and, and kind of forgot about it. But then like, as we got closer to that, like Christmas the next year, I was a year older. I had like heard like little seeds about people maybe drinking and I was ready for the moment again. And uh, yeah, Miller High Life, champagne of beer, like that the moment came back where we were like back in the shed or whatever it was behind the garage. And uh I loved it, man. I'm not going to lie. I was into it. And like the thing I always say, which is so important about my story is not only did I like the feeling, but I liked that I went back to the party where my parents were at and I, and I essentially lied about what I was up to. And, you know, Christmas went on the next morning, I opened gifts, so on and so forth. And for me, what that told me is I could bullshit people and get away with it. And I used that to my advantage for, for a good 15 years. So <laughs> I stopped drinking about three years ago. Nice. Yeah, I definitely had my issues with it. It was definitely like a six. It started, you know, I'll have a beer a day, then like a six pack a day. And then I'm like crushing 12s every day. You know what I mean? I'm just like the like functioning alcoholic at this point. But I remember myself, my first beer was around the same age. It was like homecoming of high school. And then I remember I kind of had the same reaction as you is like, oh, no, like I shouldn't be doing this. I play sports and all this stuff. You know, you hear like kind of like your parents in the background, like in the back of your head being like, oh, you got to make the good decisions. But then like the next year, like around junior year, I just started crushing beers. And I was the same way. I was like, listen, I really, really like this. This is pretty nice. So from about 16, I'm 33 now to about 30, alcohol just played like a major role in almost everything I did every day. You know, I kind of would plan my days around like, 
all right, so I'll do this. I'll go home and get six pack and do that. It was almost like, uh, like drinking was more important to dinner than me at that point. You know, it became something that I, I had to do, uh, not only to like function, but, uh, it was also something for me to help like, like meet, talk to other people, just be a person. I thought that I needed alcohol to help me do all of these things. Obviously, when I got into my recovery, I stopped drinking cold turkey and it was a horrible experience. Right. It was a very rough experience. So you're in high school, start drinking, get through Christmas, realize, you know, you can bullshit a little bit. You know, you start sharpening your skills. Uh, You go through high school, you get to college, right? So when you get into college, do you have any idea that you kind of have problems with alcohol at this time? You know, it's funny, Danny. Like I, I knew that alcohol was a huge part of my identity and not so much like the drinking, but kind of this like persona that I was rolling out to the world, right? So like in high school, I get the superlative like life for the party. And that was just like further validation that like, this is who I'm supposed to be. You know, I took a great deal of pride in being able to like drink a lot and drink fast. And I didn't ever really see an issue with it. Like I was, I always tell people like I was blacking out in college and even in high school, but like I never, no one ever grabbed me. It's like, dude, you're not supposed to black. Like you're not supposed to forget half the night. I thought that's just what happened when you drank. Right. So like, yeah, I think it was like a, a mix of like knowing that I loved the party and I drank a lot and I probably overshot the mark a little bit, but also thinking like, this is what you know, a normal high school, college age kid does, you know, the other thing I'll say is that in college, you know, some other dry goods came into play to start doing a little Coke, start doing some Adderall here. Like, you know, so it's like these performance enhancing as I saw them, you know, drugs that would help me drink, you know, longer and stronger kind of things. It's a lot of pressure in college. A lot of people don't realize, you know, like college is a privilege. But it's also a very difficult privilege trying to figure out who you are as a person. There's a lot of work. You're pretty much living on your own for the first time. There's a lot going on. You know, there's girls around. There's a lot going on. I think that a lot of people, when it comes to their habits, start probably towards the tail end of high school, but a lot of them start to start around college. I'm sure you do as well. Like, you know, a lot of my friends develop drug habits in college. Like you said, that you got introduced to uh, to Adderall and cocaine and all those things. How old are you now? I'm 38. You're 38. So I'm 33. So like, damn, you were like the first era of Adderall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We found that early. It was, it was Ritalin and Adderall, whatever you get your hands on. Yeah. Ritalin. Yeah. Ritalin. That was the OG. That shit is retro. <laughs> yeah. No, man, but I, I 100% agree with you. And like the reality is, and I think we'll probably get into it a, a little bit more later, but I've recently taken a, a major interest in just what's going on on these college campuses from a, from a professional lens, you know, because yeah. it's not like I'm 38. So I was in school, you know, almost 20 years ago. Right. And so there was no social media. Like I had a flip phone, you know, like my worst day was like call my mom and like needing 20 bucks so I could like, you know, feed myself or whatever else it was. And like the kids today, like with all the pressure that they face, it's not cool, you know? And that's why I think we're seeing like the suicide rates raise and, you know, the numbers are just staggering. So, you know, yeah, college is, is, is tough. And it can also be like a beautiful existence. I mean, I look at my 15 friends that I grew up with, like, you know, me and like one or two other dudes, like lost, our way but the other guys like had fun and partied and like now they're just like more dudes working in the world like jobs and whatever else so it's like yeah right just doing what they do yeah when you were in college did you have any sense like all right now i got a fucking problem something's going on or even all through college you were like nah this is just like what kind of what you're supposed to do yeah man i think for me like it didn't hit me till it hit me Like it didn't actually hit me till like the first time that I had to go to rehab that I actually understand, which was at like 25, what the hell was going on. And at that point, like I knew that not only did I have a drinking problem, but like drugs and like the whole thing. Right. But I just went hard until kind of that, honestly. Where did you go to college? York. 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 Pennsylvania. Yeah. York, Pennsylvania. Shout out to York. Uh, Pennsylvania. I've only been to New York, Pennsylvania like two times. When it comes for your day-to-day and your parents, what's your relationship like now? What was it like back then? And how important were they to kind of 
helping you build your mindset in terms of going forward and getting clean and, and figuring your life out? I mean, bro, I won the lottery with my parents. You know, I've worked in behavioral health care for the past 10 years and I see all different types of family systems. And when I put them up against mine, like I truly know how blessed I am to have the parents that I had because, you know, they were, they were real and they were authentic and they didn't like co-sign my bullshit, but they hung in there with me. You know, they hung in there with me more so than anyone else. And they really just loved me until I could love myself. So like, you know, back in the day, me and my old man, like grew up and like, I played baseball. So like his whole, our whole thing was like baseball. And then mom was just the best, you know, giving the rides, putting food on the plate, like just being the the absolute most loving, caring mom you could ever ask for. And then, you know, kind of like when, when she hit the fan for me from the period of like, you know, really like 25 to 27, you know, they say when someone's, you know, in their active addiction, not only does the identified patient get sick, but the entire family does. Right. And that's definitely true in my experience, which like, For sure. you know, here I am, like, I'm, you know, I'm running around, I'm partying, I'm shoving a bunch of oxy up my nose. And like, my mom totally has my number, you know, my dad's totally like hanging in there with me. And he's like the ultimate, like grit, grit down. Like we got this, we're going to do it kind of dude. You know, it started to cause a rift between the two of them. You know, like I started to slowly rip my family apart. And so, I went to rehab the first time and, you know, they were both kind of like supportive and I was married at that time. And so like I had a wife that was supportive and like the first time around, like I definitely had a a crew of people around me. And then I got out of treatment that first time and went on a, a, on a run for eight months, which like, you know, ended up in Camden, New Jersey with like a needle in my arm, you know, and that's just like where this thing took me. And my dad was actually the one that kind of, flew in and saved the day because he had gotten a call from the bank teller where I was trying to cash one of his checks. Yeah. This is a story I I wanted to get into as well. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I can tell that story, but yeah, my parents are the band today. They're my best friends. It's beautiful. I love that. I have a great uh, respect for all parents. You know what I mean? It's just not, it's not an easy gig. Well, I just think it's like, it's worth mentioning, like, there's no playbook for these parents, right? And like, no. if your kid has cancer, if your kid has like heart disease, your kid has diabetes, like you take the doctor, they tell you exactly what to do and you, and everyone does it. But with this thing, it's like, yeah, you can go to rehab, you can go to some of these meetings, you can do some therapy, and we're still not even sure if it's actually going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, like, dude, listen, when it comes to behavioral shit and addiction, that's a fucking tough go. You know, when I got diagnosed with panic disorder, it was like, you know, you learn a lot about like fight or flight. And it's like, I'd rather like, I told them one time, like I was so fed up with panic, uh, having panic disorder, not knowing when the fucking shit was going to go away. I'm just like, yeah, I'd rather have fucking cancer at this point. At least like I would know like, oh, you got to go get chemotherapy. And this is like what it's going to be like. I feel like I can't fucking deal with this shit. It, it was so fucking bad. That was three years ago. Almost four years ago, I started having like crazy panic attacks. So I stopped drinking and I stopped doing cocaine cold turkey. And then my brain was just like, yo, bro, where's that shit that we love so much? And then I was like, nah. And then I had a fucking nervous breakdown. I didn't sleep for like three days. Like I felt like my drug dealer was like coming looking for me. Like I owed him money and shit. So like in my head, I'm like, yo, like, is this guy like coming here? Like, and just made it up in my head. I was like, no, like he was mad at me the last time I saw him. And then, um, it got to the point where like, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't fucking wipe my own ass. Like shit was so fucking bad, bro. It was terrible. I couldn't shower. I couldn't do shit. And uh, I remember um, I've told the story on the show before, but I was like, yo, I'm going to fucking kill myself, bro. Like, this is a horrible existence. I can't live like this. Right. I was just like, yo, like, I'm going to wait till I'm alone. I'm going to put my dog in the crate. And I'm going to jump off this 11th floor terrace. And I'm just going to fucking end this shit because this shit is so whack. Right. But I remember, like, thankfully, I had the moment of clarity where I was like, yo, dude, just like, go check yourself in somewhere. Let's figure this out. Let's, let's get you baselined out. Let's figure out what's going on. But I was trying to deal with it so much on my own now uh, with the addiction, the drinking, the panic disorder, the anxiety. So like, I was like, yeah, like I've never really cared about mental health before. Like I I come from like my parents, all their parents were immigrants. Like they, like they didn't know anything about like behavioral science and shit. You know, like when my dad was a kid, if he got upset, his dad would be Italian. Did he be like, shut up? You know, like he would just be like, you know, (laughs) 
like be a man and shit. You know what I mean? So like, that's kind of the only thing that my dad knew. And like, my mom is the same way too. Like they're beautiful people, but they're like tough people. My parents were the type of, like if I broke my finger, I wouldn't go to the hospital. Or like if I broke my foot, like I, we just didn't go to the hospital. Like that's just like how we went because it would be so expensive. And he's like, they're not going to be able to do anything for you. Right. So, and I grew up in a family with four other kids in it. And I felt like, you know, my parents kind of labeled me as the most normal one. Like my brother had a kid at 16. My sister, Kathy, uh, is adopted. She had her issues growing up. My brother, Michael, has Tourette's syndrome. My oldest sister, uh, she's from a previous uh, marriage that my mom had. There was a lot of things going on. They're like, all right, this one's like the most normal. Like he plays sports and like does like normal high school shit. And, but like the whole time I was just like drinking my fucking face off, like going super hard. My parents, it was crazy. But like my recovery strengthened my relationship with my parents so much. I've never been closer to my parents in my life like than I am now. But yeah, dude, that shit was crazy, bro. When we're in the middle of this thing, it's just we're so we're like driven by the selfish, self-centered thoughts. And so just you like when you put this shit down, it's like, okay, I'm gonna call my mom and like say what's up. Cause she would probably appreciate that. <laughs> you know, it's like Yeah, she she loves it. She loves it. And it's like um like my dad recently he had like a cardiac event like last week. He had like a minor heart attack. It's like his third one. When he had his first one, I was really afraid. The second one, I was like, okay. And now that he had this one, for some reason, I was like destroyed by it because he's like, he's like my best fucking friend, my dad. Yeah. When you're a kid, I was just like, I don't know, like if I was just afraid because I was a kid when it happened. But like now it's just like, yeah, like I even thought about it. Like it's, it's even hard for me to think about like, what would I do without my dad? It's like my best friend. He was somebody that never believed in therapy, like growing up and shit. But like now he goes to therapy and like lives a better lifestyle. And, you know, he's doing okay. He's home now. He's chilling. But like, you know, it's, it's, we're so fucking blessed to have our parents, bro. Yeah. Prayers up for your dad. I mean, dude, my, I, and I haven't even talked about this uh, really publicly, but like my mom, my mom got sick at the beginning of the year. And, you know, it's interesting. You talked a little bit at the beginning about like how this thing is a struggle daily. And I don't know, like I've had a, a little bit of a different experience, whereas like, I'm so grateful to have found my recovery. And I do believe that I get to live like a next level existence. So my good days, like far outweigh my bad days. And like, oh, for sure. Even in that moment, like, like when my old man called me, he's like, yo, mom's getting a surgery. I was like the first one on the plane to Florida, like of the five kids, like crawling into the hospital bed with mom, like giving her a hug. Yeah. And the only reason I got to do that shit was because of my recovery, you know, and like I'm here and I'm present and like, I know smart feet. Like when someone needs help, I know how to show up and like no drug or drink or, you know, whatever was going to give me the, the moxie to like go show up the way I showed up over that, you know, two weeks when I was down there, kind of like helping nurse her back to health. And she's kicking ass now. Like I'm playing golf with her Sunday. Like she's the best. <laughs> Love it. Beautiful. Beautiful. That was going to be my next question. Yeah, man. I don't know. Like ever since it's like, ever since my recovery, it's kind of just been like these things like matter. Like I'm not supposed to be here. Like that's like kind of like the, the thought process that I have now. Like everything is just so dope. The smaller things are so much doper now than when I was using because I didn't care about the smaller things. The only thing I cared about was like, yeah, I just want to crush these fucking beers and do a couple of lines and, and forget about everything else. Right. But now it's just like, like I called it a beautiful struggle because it's like, yeah, like if I have shit I have to do today, it's like, dude, like we weren't even supposed to be here, bro. Like this is shit I enjoy doing now. Yeah. You just even like the small, like doing laundry and like the other shit. It's like, this is shit I fucking hated, bro. All right. Now you're, now you're taking it too far, bro. The laundry thing is like, yeah. no, 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 no. I pay someone to do my laundry, but it's just like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like these small minimal tasks are just like, you know, I try to just find the levity and the, and the yeah. happiness of it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know? So let's get back to the story about this check. All right. I'll let you tell the story, but would you consider this act your rock bottom? Or my rebirth. I mean, I don't know how you want to look at it, but so, so it's Hurricane Irene. I like that. It's Hurricane Irene. So it's August of 2011. I've been kind of ripping. So at this point, like I'm living back with my old man and 
he we're, he's kind of trying to nurse me back to health. Like I'm taking Suboxone or he's like feeding me Suboxone. <laughs> it's like crazy for my opioid addiction. And I'm like cheeking that shit, selling it and whatever. So yeah. our family is down at, dude, in Avalon at a, at a house, renting a house in Avalon. It's Hurricane Irene is coming. So like I'm down there and I know I'm low on my stash. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I got, I got to go. Like my whole family's there and I, I get, cause the hurricane's coming. They're saying it's going to jack everything up. You're not going to be able to get off the Island. So like I floor it up to, up to Camden where like I had been copping and I end up like picking up and then I'll never forget it. Like I had a, basically like a party for one in my car, cops end up coming and arrest me that night for like DUI possession, all the, all that fun stuff. They take me into the station. They take my car. They're like, you get a phone call. I was like, I don't want to call nobody. Like no one wants to hear from me. My parents file a missing persons report. They like, they think I'm gone, you know? So I get out of jail, like whatever the next day, walk back into Camden, start running around for a couple of days, like no phone, no nothing. And then what happened was I had like snuck back into my dad's office and taken a check that I was going to get cashed so I could keep running around. And I was like, it was basically me and these two other uh, drug dealers, dog and bro. I'll never forget. These were like my guys and we were going to like do some <laughs> dog massive and deal, bro? you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys are just so, like a fucking, like a, like a, a three, yeah. An three, addict uh, boy yeah. band. Yeah. Three packs. So I take this check. I go to, it's a Saturday morning. I take it down to PNC bank and like, you know, fill it out. And at this point I'm like, you know, 240, 250 pounds, like with a fro. The only person to ever like have a crack cocaine addiction that like put on weight could I was just like crush Papa John's at night, but that's besides the point. So I, I try to cash this check and the bank teller, who's my angel, Rhonda Jackson, knew something was up with me and picked up my picked up the phone and called my dad. And the only number they had on file for my dad was his office. So they call his office from an unknown number from the bank. And my dad doesn't work on Saturdays, doesn't pick up calls from unknown numbers. And like, there he is in his office, like, just like freaking out. And the phone rings and he picks it up. And wow. they're like, we have your son here. And so, like, you know, you want to talk about God or the universe, whatever it is. Like, he gets in his car, he bolts down, like, you know, and he walks into this bank, like, white as a ghost. I'll never forget it. And he comes up to me and puts his arm on my arm. He's like, son, we're going home. And in that moment, like you talk about like rock bottom moment of clarity, like rebirth, like that was it for me. Like, so I had a visceral reaction to that. You know, I was in treatment a, a couple of days later and it's actually crazy. I'm doing this interview from the treatment center. I went to because I'm up here for board meetings, you know? So it's like the whole wow. serendipity of it all. Yeah, man. I did four and a half months in that treatment center and, and moved to New York city and I haven't looked back. So that's, that's my like, good for you, bro. That's my story right there. That's the one that gets me every time. How much was the check for? I don't know, dude. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> like, cause you know, when you're a drug grand, addict, I don't know what. Yeah. If you're a drug addict, like, and it was only a hundred bucks, I'd be like, dude, like, what are you doing? It's no, like, you got to try no, and shoot no. big. You got to try and get some money out of there. No, we were trying to parlay some stuff together to, to make it a, you know, we were, we were, we were going to build our nest egg, the three of us. Yeah, so. that was it. And like, dude, I, we walked out of the bank. I'll never forget my dad, like, I'm walking with him. And like, I see dog and bro to the left and I kind of just wave and they're just like, it's over. Sad kind of, like, Aw. It's like, we lost one. It's all right. Whatever. Another one bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. I'm, I'm sure uh, they found somebody else. The thing I'll say about those guys, just like on a, like a, a separate topic is like, these dudes, man, like they were just trying to put food on the plate for their family. Like they, they were like some yeah. of the nicest guys I've ever met. And, uh, I don't know, man. Like I think about them because, because they were just, they were just hustling and I respect that. You never saw dog and bro after that day. No, I think that was of my best interest. To, to <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be like, Oh, you're clean now. Let's go do this together. Yeah. It's like, nah. If you ever saw one of them today though, you probably freak the fuck out. I don't know, man. I'd probably give them a hug and say, keep it moving. Yeah. Right. Like if you saw them from the car, would you get out and say something or would you drive by them? I mean, if I recognize them, I would definitely say what's up. Because like I said, man, they weren't, I mean, they were feeding my habits. I was buying drugs from them, but they like, they were good, yeah. good dudes. Like genuinely, I, I, I believe that. Yeah. Dog and bro somewhere out there in Camden. So rehab four and a half months, right? Yeah. That's a long ass time, bro. Yeah, it, it was, uh, but it was what I needed, dude. It was what I needed. That's a long time. What was that like being away from your family? I mean, it was what I needed. So when I went to rehab, I ha I was married still, and yeah. 
but she was like, she was cooked. She was done. And I just needed it. Like there was no, yeah. like my existence was so small that I needed to honestly like learn how to like make my bed and just like not be an asshole. And that was like the foundation for my life moving forward. So there were parts of it that I loved, you know, like really being able to reset, like focus on myself. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's rehab is rehab. Yeah, no, dude, when I was in the psych ward, though, I was like, this is the best time of my life. No, I was going to ask you, you were kind of losing it, called for help and ended up in a unit, an award. Yeah. Yeah. When I went there, they were like, do you want to kill yourself? I was like, like, yeah, kind of. And they were like, do you want to kill yourself right now? And I was like, nah, I'm here. Like, I, I don't want to kill myself. I was like, I wouldn't be here. So they were like, all right, well, give us your shorts and give us your shoelaces and give us all your stuff. And I was like, oh, fuck, it's real shit now. And then, dude, I went in there and I had the greatest sleep of my life. Yeah. I had the greatest night's sleep of my life. I woke up well rested. Like, all right. Like, you know, and then they immediately put me into a one on one and then they put me in group and like, Having group therapy sessions, I was like, dude, like I never want to fucking leave this place. Yeah. I've always said this is I, I feel like a lot of people are afraid to get help because they kind of can't leave. It was a tough thing to be like, hey, like I'm not really gonna like talk to anybody for a little bit. I don't know how long I'm gonna be in here, but this is what I need right now. And there's times where I'm just like, dude, I fucking miss that place. And I was at like at my lowest of love I've ever been in my life. But I'll think back to those days that I was in there and just be like, God damn it. I missed that place. You surrendered, man. That's like, that's where you surrendered. You know, like that first night's sleep was probably just cause like you let go of like all the ideas that you had about whatever. Yeah. And just having these people, it's like, listen, like I, I didn't have health insurance. I didn't have a network. I had nothing, bro. I was all fucked up. Like my relationship was all fucked up. Everyone in my family knew I had a problem and I just like didn't want to admit I had a problem. Like I thought it was normal to crush 12 beers after like working for this fucking bullshit ass moving company. Right. And doing all this shit. You know what I mean? Like uh, it was so bad that I had to, I, my parents wouldn't even let me in the house. I had to move in with a friend. Yeah. Like they did, they did not want to see me like in that state, like just being f drunk or fucking high all the time. Sucked. And then, like I said, dude, I'll, I'll go, I'll go to a fucking psych ward right now. I'll get a nice fucking nap. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> when it comes down to it, I was just like, I'll go get a nap right now. But like, uh, even like to, you know, all jokes aside, like what do you recommendation do you have for people that like didn't have support systems like us though? Well, it's tough, man. I mean, it's tough because, you know, the healthcare system right now is like a, a little out of whack. It, it, you could say, I mean, like, you know, that's probably for, for an, another day, uh, obviously like good treatment and good therapy either costs money or uh, requires really good insurance, which not everyone has. Right. And so, you know, that said, like, I believe that if you are willing and you surrender and you, you truly do want help, you can find it. I mean, there are some, you know, in every state, like, there, there are no health resources, there are drug addiction resources. I mean, like, you know, I've seen, you know, people get sober just going to meetings, you know, some of the worst yeah, drug sure. addicts and alcoholics I've ever seen, you know, and that shit's free, you know, so it's tough. I mean, you know, obviously like the first step in all, well, you gotta want to, I mean, like, look, yeah, I think there's a certain level of like, I mean, they actually say that like the outcome is not dependent upon like your willingness going into treatment. But I, I will say like, the first step is always asking for help. For sure. Right. Like once once someone is at that place of asking for help, like that is because that's the hardest thing to do. Because once you ask for help, you're outing yourself. Like, you know, I I feel anxious, I feel depressed, I feel like I'm mentally ill. Like you're immediately slapping a label on yourself that, you know, our society has a tendency to stigmatize. And like for sure. Who wants to admit like they don't have control over their life? Nobody wants to admit that. Like I, oh dude, I have no control over my adult life. Like that's horrible. It's actually a pretty damn tough thing to do. Like, I, I agree. You think it's weak to like, you know, like what's weak is thinking that shit, bro. And like just tormenting other people. What's the strong thing? Like the tough thing is to be like, yo, I, I'm, I'm fucked up and I need some help. Yeah. So even before I went to the hospital, like a week before that, I was telling like my friends and a couple people in my family, I'm like, yo, I think I just need to go. Like, I need to go somewhere, bro. Like this is, shit is not good. And they were like, nah, like you're good. Like, you know, and uh, now I'm starting to look around the room. And I'm like, this is some dude I get high with. 
Like this is some dude I drink beers with. Of course, he's going to say everything's all right. We're over here just fucking burying our problems anyway. But I, I went against like almost everybody to go in there. I was like, yo, I'm going. So sorry. I don't give a shit how much it costs. I mean, even three years ago, dude, we've come so far. Like even three years, like even like you just look at like you turn on the news or mainstream media today, like every day you're reading something about a suicide or mental health or advocates. Like we are starting to make progress. I mean, we are a long way away, but I am confident that like you and others are going to be loud enough, have no choice but to start paying attention to this thing. You know, I always say too, like, you know, if I could just inspire one person to like tell somebody about what they're going through, I'm like, I did my job. Yeah. Word of mouth is like is, as much as we can get this stuff out there. It's like, dude, you know, the amount of people that I've known personally that have died from drug overdose in like the last two years is outrageous. I just lost a friend two weeks ago to fentanyl overdose. Yeah. Before that, it was three weeks. Uh, then before that, it was six weeks. You know what I mean? It's like uh, I'm almost desensitized to like burying somebody I knew. It's horrible. It's fucking crazy out here. Prayers up to all those people you just talked about. Like there was yeah. something last week that there's like 20 million people in recovery right now, which is like, which is huge. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. There's uh, the world is, is crazy right now. The world's crazy right now. And then, especially with the pandemic, it was like, dude, like everybody's in therapy now. And it's a beautiful thing. People I know that would say they would never have gone to a therapist, like they're in therapy now. Yeah, it really is a beautiful thing. It's like you know we have people like you out there just helping destigmatize this thing, especially for men too. We have this thing where we got to be like in control of everything, and we got to be dudes and and be strong, and it's all right. But like we got problems too, bro. Yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. We be going through it. I do some work with this brand Roan, which is a you know like like a men's activewear company, but they also do a lot in the mental health space and like dude i got to be on a panel last year with like jimmy butler and john batiste and this guy Corey richards who was a you know photographer for national geographic and we literally sat there and like you know rapped about mental health for like 90 minutes and i'm telling you it was one of the coolest conversations i've ever had in my life it's dope and it was just a bunch of dudes talking about like 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 we're talking right now bro jimmy butler's story is fucking crazy he's going off right now i mean last night he was he's just he's I'm a Sixers fan, so I'm salty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was, I was there when, uh, when AI was there in '96. Man, I was, I remember going to see Iverson before the Braves. So you start drinking in high school, you start getting a little out of control in college, or very out of control. Then it's, it goes into your early adulthood. You're 240 pounds with a fro. You try to cash a bogus check. You go to rehab. You come out, dude. How the fuck do you get on the Bachelorette, bro? How much weight did you lose in in rehab? I mean, dude, it was it's you know this is we're talking about. I mean, I'm 38, so this is like 11 years ago. Yeah, dude, my story's. I mean, I had a brain tumor in there. I got my gallbladder cut out, like chasing drugs just to get high. You convince a doctor to take your gallbladder <laughs> out so you can get pain pills, dude. That's just fucking insane. Yeah. That's wild, know, genius, bro. It's, it's a genius. When I read that, I go, oh, this guy gets it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this guy, how did you convince this doctor to take your gallbladder out, bro? There's two types of people in the world. People that appreciate that story and people who think I'm an absolute like psychopath. And my people are the one who, who get it, you know? That is that is Walter White-esque addict genius. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is no, dude. genius. The truth is, man, I moved to New York and I knew zero people like, and but I knew that I had found like my, my purpose and my passion, which was like this new way of life that I had been gifted. And so, you know, I kind of held on to the job that I, that I was working prior to going to rehab. But then I was like, I ended up meeting up with a few dudes who were, you know, working in recovery, like working in behavioral healthcare. And like, it struck a chord with me and, and I haven't looked back. So I worked, you know, for, someone for five years and then uh almost like five years ago to the day went out on my own and started my own company and you know during this time like you know I'm, I'm working on my personal recovery i'm like getting into shape i'm starting to run like i did my first marathon in 2014 i've done like nine of those things now oh good for you you know like i'm mending all my relationships and yeah and i'm mending all my relationships and like slowly but surely i'm just gaining a confidence and a zest for life that like I never knew existed. And so, 
you know, I'm helping people. I'm, I'm doing all the things like, you know, going to concerts, playing golf, like doing all shit. I was when I was getting loaded, you know? And, and so, you know, basically what happened was I start, I start this company. Like we, we have some success. We opened our first property in Westchester up in this, in Yorktown Heights. And then, came back down into the city and now we have three properties in the city. My sister lives in Yorktown Heights. Yeah. You know, we have property up there and then we have three properties in the city and then, you know, whatever COVID hits in 2020 and, you know, I'm like single or whatever. And my sister is like a fan of this show and I get a call on like whatever, like a random Friday night from LA. And at first I was like, lose my phone number, you know? And then I just like, I kind of just, I leaned into it just like we lean into anything else. I was like, you know what, man, like uh, YOLO kind of thing. Like I'm open to this conversation and, you know, one thing led to another. And so it's, it was a crazy, you know, experience. And, but again, it's just like anything in my life, like it's not possible without, you know, these experiences that I had in my twenties that have turned me into the person that I am today. For sure. I mean, it's, it's such an integral part of who you are. You know what I mean? Yep. It's, if if you weren't what were like in that fucking bank trying to cash that check, you probably would never have been like on the Bachelorette. Yeah, dude. I mean, everything happens for a reason, one way or another. For sure. No, like so. Like you're going into that environment. You know, were you like afraid at all to go in, just like knowing like this is probably about to be an environment that I've never experienced in my life? Like, were you worried about your own recovery going into something like this? No. No, I mean, like I been like a year sober, six months sober. Yeah, my patience about like putting myself in that environment. But the truth, like I'm at bars, I'm at clubs, I go to sporting events. Like I'm around the shit all the time. It's just I'm immune to it. Like I don't, I don't even think about it. So going into that environment, I, I was actually excited because myself, I'm like, you know, where some people might be pouring energy into you know, drinking or like partying or trying to look a certain way. Like for me, I was genuinely there because I wanted to, you know, find love. And like, I just had never put aside the time in my life to, to truly do that, you know? So. Well, cause you probably, you didn't love yourself. Yeah. You know, when you're out there active, like it's not a lot to like. <laughs> no, dude. Yeah, there would be some times where I would look in the mirror too. And I'd just be like, dude, what is going on? Dude, that's what happened to me. I got into rehab and I looked in the mirror like like three days sober. I'm like, holy, holy. Sh-. No, dude, what happened was I was like in detox trying to flirt with this girl. And she like looked at me like I had four eyes. And I'm like, you know, why isn't like my game's not working? Like I've just lost it all. And then I looked in the mirror. I was like, oh, yeah, dude. now I get it. Like you yeah. are a mess. <laughs> I remember just looking in the mirror myself and just being like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? I said, yeah, you are a yeah. fucking mess. And then, uh, yeah, dude, man, that mirror can tell stories, bro. I'll tell you that. I've had many conversations yeah. in, in mirrors, man. So when you get there, right? Where did you guys film? Like California? Yeah, we were on Cali. Do you have any idea like, yeah, I could win this thing? Or you're just like, yeah, I'm just here to like to be here as long as possible. But like, how long or did you really like, you know, I want to find love on this fucking thing? No, I mean, look, people use the word win a lot. I don't, I don't really like subscribe. You know, like it, it, I was there, I believe, like, you know, just trying to be as authentic and real as possible. You know, like I had some reservations prior to leaving because I was like my true, like, look, I acknowledge that a lot of people know me because I was on a reality television show. And that's like, that's cool. And I'm at peace with that. But I also knew like going into this experience that I had, you know, built a career and a name for myself in this space. And, and that like, you know, the worlds don't exactly mix like behavioral healthcare business owner and like, you know, reality television person. So, um, another thing where stigma is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And so I ultimately decided to do it. And I mean, my mindset going into it was just like I, my mindset every day in life. Like I'm going to keep an open mind. I'm going to have an experience. I'm going to try and be honest. I'm going to try and be genuine. And like, typically when I do that, like good things happen, you know? And so, you know, I did fall in love and unfortunately like the, the relationship didn't work out, but you know, a lot of love and a lot of like life was experienced in that, in that time. Yeah. Listen, not many people get to experience something like that. And like you said, it's like, you know, I think there is a stigma with reality television that 
you're either dumb. This guy's only here because he's attractive. This girl's only here because they're attractive. It's like, you know, people do kind of forget that you're actual people. Yeah, man. I've, I've like, you know, I've heard about people coming off the show and like, you know, struggling. And I think, you know, there's more attention being paid to that. I think the show has actually done a really good job in, in supporting people, you know, in certain areas around that kind of stuff. And, but it can be jarring and it can be like, you know, especially if like you go there with expectations that like, this is going to be your, you know, your lottery ticket or whatever it is. And it's just, right. it's just that's just not what it is. You know, it's just not. So yeah. Yeah. It's uh that's not going to be the career stepping stone you want it to, uh, that you want. Right. It's not, it's not right. going to be a good look. Right. So you mentioned, I know I've seen it in my notes. You had a brain tumor. How, how did you figure out that? Obviously you went to a doctor, but like, were you having symptoms or, uh, you know, like headaches or. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I was actually packing. We keep coming back to the Jersey shore. I don't know. Maybe it's just like the whole universe right now, but I was packing the car to go to Jersey shore for Memorial day. And for a couple of days leading up to that, I had been like, like when I would close my eyes, I would see kaleidoscopes. Like the, the night before I had been in a bar and fallen over and the, the bouncer kicked me out and I wasn't even drunk, you know? So I was having these experiences and I'm like, something's not right here. So I went to this like side of the road x-ray place and the, the nurse basically came in or the te- technician and said, like, dude, you got, you got to go get help. Like there's something about to happen in your brain. Wow. So I was in surgery like 12 hours later and it, ha- it happened so quickly that I didn't have time to really like contemplate my death or like, you know, like it was kind of just like one, two, three. Yeah. No, it's, it's almost better that way. Yeah. You know, and that's just another one of those experiences like where like I'm sitting in the hospital bed and there's love all around me and there's like family members coming through and like in my head, I'm like, can I just get out of here? So I go like party the way I want to party. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 If you really think about it, life has thrown you so much wild shit yeah do you ever just take the time to kind of just like pat yourself on the back a little bit i try to man i try to and like especially like these days my life is so crazy just uh, just busy and running around i actually i mean last this past weekend i went out to sedona because i needed just to like put the phone down and like you know take some time for myself and like for sure meditation and work out and be in the heat and like I have to do that sometimes because I will forget what's important, you know, and I do, I am proud of myself. Like I can say that. That's when they start rolling into each other. Yeah. I'm proud of myself though, for sure. And I know that, like, I know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and that like, as long as I keep showing up and being true to myself, like shit's going to be fine. That's it. Like, uh, like I'm telling you now, like, dude, you got to stop and give yourself some credit every once in a while. Don't, you can't forget that aspect of life. You really can't. You got to be your own biggest fan. Everybody out there has to be their own biggest fan. I love you saying, I need, I need to hear that today, bro. I appreciate you saying that. You too. Yeah. You got to be your own biggest fan, man. Because if you don't believe in yourself all the way, like how are other people going to believe in you? You know, I, I try to tell people that it's like, there's just certain things in life that you have to do to get to that point where you like, you know, by be your biggest fan is you got to love the shit out of yourself, bro. As corny and cliche as it sounds like that shit is contagious. Like people will flock to that. When people see that you love yourself and you're doing the necessary work and you're putting in time, dude, this is how people get inspired. This is how people end up changing people's lives. It starts with the work you do yourself. Yeah. I mean, dude, for me, and it's funny you say that, like, yeah, you kind of learn like, and, and what I've learned from helping people is it's like that whole idea of attraction and not promotion. And, and I've had more people come up to me and say that I've helped them just from watching me, like just watching yeah. me lead my life the way that I lead my life and without having to say a single word, you know? And so that's like the, the type of, you know, positive affirmation I need to kind of keep going. Yeah. Because, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to help other people. It's like, we almost forget that we're a person too sometimes. Yeah. Amen. You know, and it's just like, yo, like, oh shit, like, hold up, wait a second. I'm a person too. I go through things too. I don't have all the answers. I'm, I try to help as many people as I can, but like every once in a while, you got to make sure you check in with yourself. Like you said, you went to Sedona and did your thing. Like, don't forget about that, bro. Don't forget about all the dope shit you've ever done. And listen, like when, like I talk to addicts and also just being somebody that was an addict, like. I have to think about those times too, because I have to just really remember like how fucked up shit was. Yeah. 
You know, like I'm not afraid of it. At one point, I was kind of afraid of my past to kind of think about it because I was like ashamed about it, you know? Right. But now it's like I try to check in and just be like, yo, like that was a wild time. Like, you like how you said, like with dog and bro, it's like every once in a while, like think about it. It's like, yo, dude, thank God that check didn't go through. Right. It's crazy, dude, how a matter of minutes, like you said, like how your dad being in that office, like if it was 10 minutes different, he could have dipped, like he could have bounced. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I also know that like I got my fill, you know, like I did enough and like I had my fun. Like I, I have to remember that like there's nothing like there's no experience hammered or high that I like didn't get to do, you know, and I, I just am so convinced today that putting a drink or a drug in my body is not going to make anything better. In fact, it's going to make shit a lot worse. 100%. It's like, dude, it's just like cocaine for me. I was just like, yeah, I'm good. I'd never have to do that again. Yeah, I was like, you know, I've I've had those fucking nights where I'm walking around my apartment, like locking the door and like turning lights on and shit, and like thinking is music too loud in my apartment. Like I'm good on all that shit. Yeah, sketchy. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's just fucking sketchy. I just I knew it was bad when I was doing it by myself. Right. I was like, all right, this is getting a little fucking strange. Yo, nobody knew. That's in my head. Nobody knows. Let me tell you everybody out there about cocaine. When you're on cocaine, everybody knows you're on cocaine. That's the best part about it, bro. <laughs> it's like we think we're fooling people and then you get sober and people are like, bro, you were a, you were a disaster. You like, were a fucking mess, bro. I, I see people on coke now. I'm just like, do you know how dumb you look? Oh, dude, you are schneefed up to the gills. I just know it so well that I used to think that people didn't know that I was high as a fucking kite. I haven't stopped talking for 15 minutes. Right. I'll tell you, bro. I'll tell you. Listen, man, <laughs> it's it's so crazy to think about, you know, where we've come from. And these conversations are important, man. These conversations are important and putting this kind of like content out there just because, you know, I've been thinking a lot lately just about like the mental health crisis and the opioid epidemic. And like, like, look, man, I was I was reading, I think like it was 94 when we were at the peak of like HIV AIDS and people were like, it was like terrifying. And then the next year, 95, I think is when like shit started to go the other way. And yeah. you think about the progress that's been made now, like my goal around that illness, right? Like my goal for mental health and for addiction and, and some of the stuff we've talked about today is just to, to have that t same type of, you know, improvement, you know, like look back on conversations like this 20 years ago and be like, yo, Danny, remember when we talked about that shit? And like, yeah. it's so much better now. Like it's actually treatable. Like there's actually people are getting well, you know, you almost think that nobody could ever come back from addiction. It's kind of just the way that like, sadly, you know, we see people lose their lives to this every day. Drugs and alcohol kill more people probably than, you know, uh, in, in America more than anything else. Cause it leads to suicide leads to drunk driving accident. Like this is the type of shit that, you know, it, it's, it's insane. Oh yeah. And I, I think stories like yours are important on not just like, you know, a national scale on a global scale. I think people, everybody needs to hear a story like that. Yeah. Well, I tell people, man, like I'm not, I'm just a human, like hit me up, you know, like, yeah. And people do like, I'll get the, I'll get the occasional messages on social media and like, we'll put them in contact with folks and like, I'll get another note like six months later, be like, you responded to me and now I'm six months over and I just want to share that. I'm like, that's the stuff that juices me up, you know, like that. Yeah, that's just like, I'm doing something. The stuff that I take, I take away. Yeah, it's yeah. like people that listen to the show, man, they'll hit me up and be like, yo, like your show saved my life. And like, I'll have moments where I have to take, like, take a second and be like, damn, dude, like uh, we're making a difference out here. It's just, it's just a beautiful thing when strangers are just so willing to, you know, sh share their stories and uh, be willing to put themselves out there. You know what I mean? I think that's like you said, it's where it started was putting ourselves out there is going to just encourage other people to put themselves out there. Like you guys don't have to be afraid. Yeah, dude, 11 years ago when I was like, you know, right before I got sober, they, they weren't talking about the stuff in mainstream media. Like there was no acknowledgement of the stuff that we're talking about today. So even just to think about that and think about now um, we're making progress and that's something to be grateful for. Absolutely. Uh, I have one more uh, bachelorette question, not naming any names, but like, has anybody from like your year or prior years, like different seasons, have, they, have, have uh, any of them reached out to you for help? Yeah, there's been some people that have have reached out or just like had questions. And, you know, my whole thing, 
the way that I approach that is like, I am here, I'm here for whoever it is that might want to like talk this thing through no matter what it is. Um, so that's been pretty cool. And I think some people have benefited from that. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I know what I'm doing when it comes to this stuff, you know, like I know how to approach it. And I also know that like, you know, I can't drink or do drugs, you know, like I'm not going to tell someone else that they can't, but I can certainly like share my experience and if they want help, like get them the help that they need, you know? And like, look, I have buddies today that like I grew up with and like, they can still go out hard on a Friday night and like wake up Saturday morning, and, like take your kids to the park. Like I go out hard on a Friday night. I'm probably coming home in handcuffs. You know? yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's a different Saturday night. Yeah, for sure. So it's like, dude, like dude, have one for me. Like I respect that you can, I tell people all the time. I'm like, they'll be like, Hey dude, like, you know, like I want to stop drinking, but I'm just like, like, do you like, you know, dude, if you don't have a problem, like I'll, I'll live vicariously through everybody in this bitch. Well, that's the thing. Like people get all weird, like around me sometimes and they'll be like, do you care if I smoke this? Or like, do you care? Like, do you care if I'm drinking? And I'm like, like, dude, I live in New York city. Like I walk, like it's basically one big fucking blunt. So like, yeah, pretty much yeah. do whatever you want to do, man. Like, it's all good. Like I just, you know, and I'll hang with you, you know, like I'm just not going to participate. Yeah, no, dude, I have no problem. Well, I'll hang out. You know, if my friends are, are getting fucking wasted, like, I'll party with like, go for it. Like, you know, like, yeah, you know, I'll make fun of you a little bit. You know what I mean? But like, we'll dance around and have a fucking good time. Like, why not? Yeah. No. So that's been cool. That's been cool. Yeah. It's some of the guys, you know, and just, I mean, and the reality is, man, like, like you, you, you hit on it a little bit, but a lot of those people, like they're all good people, you know, like the dudes I was on the show with the girls, like, you know, like, like they're all good human beings, you know, and like, we're all just trying to do our best with this life we've been given. Are you single now? I am. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you too, like in the beginning, when you, when you got sober and started dating, were you ever like kind of afraid to be like, uh, you know, like I'm a recovering addict, you know, like that, 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 that could be a hard sell sometimes. Well, it's funny, man. Cause we help a lot of young people get sober and they always ask about dating, you know, yeah, like, and I always like share my experience. I'm like, yeah, I went on some dates my first year of recovery and they were fucking horrible and it made me never want to date again. <laughs> like it's because it was just like so uncomfortable because I didn't like myself, you know? So, but where I've gotten with all that and what I try to tell people who are trying to date in sobriety is like, you know, light attracts light, you know? So if I'm sitting there and I'm having a drink or a meal with a, with a young lady and I, you know, communicate to them that like, I don't, drink i don't have to say that i'm an alcoholic or a drug addict i don't have to really tell them anything other than that i don't drink right and i'm comfortable with that and i say with conviction and they have you with that and most likely this person's not going to be for me anyway and like right. i'm comfortable in my skin enough to say like oh that's cool like you just looked at me like i have four eyes because i said i don't drink like this clearly isn't going to go anywhere I was afraid to tell people like, you know, like, no, nah, I don't drink or do drugs. And they're like, all right, what's your fucking problem then? I'm like, oh God. But the truth is for me, Danny, is like over the years, I've, I have found more often than not, it's like an attractive quality to it. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, cause they've probably dated someone that like, you know, they've probably dated someone that, you know, drinks too much or, you know, have some experiences with, with that. It's like, you know, it's intriguing and, and it's been great. So like, you know, if you are sober, you are struggling with your mental health and you are trying to date, like you, you don't like what I always say is like, you only have to share so much. And especially like if you're out in a group setting, like no one's going to ever ask you what's in your cup. And if they do, it probably just means that they're an alcoholic too. And they want someone to drink with. (laughs) What are you doing right now? You know what I mean? And in the beginning for me, it was very like, Oh, like I'm afraid to like tell people like I have a drinking problem or like, I'm afraid to tell people like I'd like cocaine very much. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, but like for me, like, I, like, I, I do agree with you. Like people, I think as time goes on, people are seeing that it's a more admirable thing. Yep. You know, a lot of people look at it. It's like, wow, that's nice. Also, uh, you know, if you're a girl, it's going to be like, oh, he doesn't drink. He doesn't go out and party. This guy's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I do go out. I mean, that's the truth of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, and this is the other thing, dude. Like when I sit, when I sit down personally and like, I'm not dating for shit right now, but if I choose to do that again in my life, like when I sit someone down, like I also work in addiction recovery, like that's my business. That's my right. So, so for me, more so than most, like it's my entire existence. So it's like, 
they're like, it's not hard to figure out that I'm sober, like three minutes into the conversation. So I just own that shit and, and lean into it. And it's like, maybe at 27, I would have cared, but like 38, dude, I'm like, I'm good. I don't yeah, need to try been through enough shit, dude. <laughs> yeah. Gallbladder, brain tumor, getting arrested, DUI rehab. It's like, like what, what yeah. service would that do for you to be afraid to tell your story to somebody? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, and my last question is, yes, I usually try to ask this question on every episode. Are you happy today? Dude, the happiest. Love it. I mean, just like a quick update on me before, like you cut me loose, like I'm doing work that I love to do. You know, me and my team just went on a six day tour of college campuses where we really, it was just like a research and development, like trying to find out what's going on with students and student athletes and why we're losing so many young people and what's going on with the mental health crisis on college campuses. And it was super powerful. And we, we connected with thousands and thousands of college students. It was really, for sure, really epic. I mean, it was really sad at times, but like we, we really, we got in there, you know, we got in there and like the truth is, and like, I'm nerding out on the numbers, like 46% of college students have had like some type of anxiety, depressive, you know, episode. And it's just like, it's everywhere, man. So yeah, something that I'm really focused in on. And, you know, there's been some like high profile suicides from, uh, division one athletes, like, you know, the Sarah Schultz, who was a, a runner at Wisconsin and Katie Meyer, who was like the goalie at Stanford, who won the national check. Like, we're just losing way too many young people. So that's something that's really, you know, giving me purpose today. And, and, and then like, you know, with my business and, you know, release recovery and the work we do there, man, we're helping a lot of people. And I always just say like, whenever I'm on one of these podcasts or having one of these conversations, like I'm here and I'm available. And if you are listening to this, like, please, please, please don't be don't be shy. Like you can always reach out. And if it's not me, like someone from my team or someone I know will definitely, you know, hit you back and get you where you need to go. Because, you know, for me, like my life is next level. Like you ask if I'm happy, dude, what do I have to complain about? You know, like you. I'm the same my life, this life I've been given. Yeah, dude, you get it. And so like, that's why, like when people say, Oh, like you're, you're so like that whole, like, are you okay? Are you having it? Like, that's like, that's not real. Like, when you're doing this thing and you're taking care of yourself, like, it's like, like I live, I live a, a, an awesome life, you know, and the people that know me the best know that. So yeah, it's like, you know, I even say the same thing. It's like, dude, I get to do this for a living. Get to get to, I get to, you know what I mean? And, and it's just like, dude, it takes a lot of energy out of me to try not to be happy these days. And I'm blessed. And I, I want people to know, like, if you put the work in and like, I'm not bullshitting you, dude. Like I, I tell people all the time, like, I, I don't come on the show to fucking just bullshit. And just like right. that, you know, I, if I have bad days, I have bad days, but I, I'll be honest with you. I'm just a fucking happy dude. You know, sometimes I say I'm, I'm here either on borrowed time or uh, rented time or whatever. It's like, we only have so much time here. Let's try our best to, you know, be as happy as we can throughout this thing. And help and help each other along the way. That's it. Yeah, man. And and just have normal conversations so people that can see like you're just a normal dude, right? Like you're just a dude who's like living your best life. Truly. Yeah. And like when people will come up to me and be like, yo, like what's up, bro? Like, yo, can I get a picture of you? Like, yo, I don't want to bother you. I'm like, yo, bro, you always come up to me. Right. I tell people all the time, like, I'll get DMs you're like, yo, I saw you in Pittsburgh this weekend, but like I didn't want to bother yo, bother me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, come up and say what's up to me, bro. Cause that's the type of shit that humbles me and keeps me at a point where it's like, yo, like, I'm making a difference in the world. This is something that I've dreamed about doing, you know? And it's like, I, I love showing people love that show me love. And, and a lot of it's, you know, it's, I had to go through a lot. I had to kick certain people out of my circle, bring some different people in, you know, like, it's nothing personal. This is just kind of how it is right now. And, you know, like, I've had to move a lot of things around in my life. To get to this level of happiness, I'm not going to let anybody fuck that up. Right. I just can't. Being happy is too, too fire. I love it, bro. We got to link up. We got to get together. I'm in the city, so we'll do something. 100%, bro. Um, for all the listeners, where can they find you? That's easy, man. Zach at releaserecovery.com is my email. Social media, I think it's ZW Clark is my Instagram. And, you know, our website is www.release, R-E-L-E-A-S-E recovery.com and 
yeah, if you can't hit me one of those ways, like call the main line, whatever you'll, you'll get to me. I'm not a hard person to find. And, uh, I'm here for you for sure. Hey bro. I give you all the roses. <laughs> Thanks bro. Right back at you. Right back at you. Thank you so much for your time, bro. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining me on another episode of off the cuff presented to you by one one life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, we're all in this together and you're never alone. Peace. Fate Entertainment. Ah!